see here if we good. Good. It's a little bit different in the ambiance tonight, isn't it? Do you do you feel it? Do you see it? It's the lighting, isn't it? My uh, the saboteurs. <laughs> I like it bright, but I thought actually this feels really good. I'm just not used to it. There's kind of a warmth to it. It's always the college. They're always trying to up the game a little bit or tone it down. But um, I began to just settle in and appreciate it. And both as well, just the seeding of all of you. So one of the things that I wanted to uh, take opportunity before I missed it, um, I was asked by Daniel if uh, Michelle could give us a report would you be willing to do that? And so that I don't take up unnecessary verbiage, I'll let it be your words. So just there you go. Yeah. Good evening, church family. Um, we just uh, have a praise report. A lot of you know that Daniel has um, has become a part of, well, he's been a part of CEF ministry since I think third grade. He's been leading Bible clubs and um just has a heart for um, sharing the gospel in this community. And he's now on staff. He's a paid position with CEF. And through the summer, we just saw a huge revival. Lots of the gospel was shared. Um, a lot of you young kids, high schoolers were a part of that. And um, the seed was planted. And we have been praying that we would get an opportunity to um, get back into the public schools and start the Good News Clubs again, which is um, an opportunity to um, to share Jesus with these kids and also start discipling the kids that were exposed to the Good News back through summer, through the light show in December. And uh, it's just a huge um, victory that the Lord has given us. Um, some of, most of these kids, um, this will be the, the only church that they receive. And there's been testimonies um, in our community, um, adults who were a part of good news clubs in, this, in the public schools that have told their teachers, you changed my life, church was because of you, and um, they won't ever get a chance to come into church. So this is the church that they get. This is, this is Jesus being exposed to them. And so we have um, the first good news club tomorrow at 1230, huge victory for the, in back into the public school. There's a, yeah, yes. Um, there's a lot of you out here that have been praying. And so we just would specifically ask that tomorrow at 1230 and I think 230, two good news clubs are um, scheduled outside the public um, school, Calameopsis, I think it is. My girls and Kenna will be, and Daniel will be teaching those um, two clubs and um, if you all would just continue to pray for the ministry, the hearts for the children in Brookings and Curry County, and that the Lord would just continue to spread it. Um, and if anyone would like to be involved, there is always a place for those who want to be a part, who, who just have a heart to um, share the gospel with this community, specifically the kids. So thank you guys for your prayers. And if you would continue to please um, support this in, in prayer. We would really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So being a former teacher, that means there's kids that desire will be excused. Is that correct? And they'll get on a bus. Oh, the trailer is going to actually be permitted to be on. Wow. What type of trailer? Horse trailer? Is that how we get the fair going for the next season? <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. So I do want to ask one question. You're saying that out of, uh, you're saying that to, in some manner, uh, we're, we're as a church being permitted. It's, it's, is that kind of what you're saying? I see what you're saying. No, that's fine. That's the way I interpret it, and that's the way I believe it. So now we're good. <laughs> and we are doing a great and awesome work. But that's cool to hear 
that they're making that provision and that's 28 that's nothing small that's a that's a big public school classroom there if you if it can hold 28 that's when teachers are going are any of you guys planning on moving this year so at any rate not really so um let's go ahead and open up our bibles to matthew chapter 12 and men's breakfast is tomorrow 6 30. we have some kids to excuse thanks for doing that and i'll just go ahead and sit down Last week we concluded 11, and in the conclusion of 11, some people didn't necessarily get the title because it came kind of right to press on the late side. But for those of you that either would like to remember it by title, it was titled Pitiful are the Impenitent, Pleasing are the Repentant. And, and that was a lot to say, so it didn't necessarily get translated. It'll be out there tonight because we are recording them and then storing them and then putting them into the archive which i'm not sure how we do all of that but thank you for the guys that are doing it that would be jonathan and chris primarily right now or um, in-house techies we appreciate that effort pitiful are the impenitent pleasing are the repentant but i do think that this might be just a important tag before segueing into today's or tonight's teaching. And so turn to Psalm 51, and brevity will be there, verse 15 through 17. Psalm 51. Fifteen through seventeen. Fifty-one, fifteen through seventeen. So this is, a, this is actually a structured or foundational verse to the title that was just given to you and actually to where the Lord had been with regard to woeing the cities that had known him, had experienced without any deniability the miraculous work of God through him and healings of all kinds demon um, oppression that was completely removed, lepers that were cleansed and had fresh skin, hearts that had been changed, eyes that had been opened, ears that could hear. So pretty incredible work that the Lord had done to the indictment of those who would not believe. This helps us understand how Huge he was as a man and certainly as God to desire a continuance when there was such blatant disregard for such overt grace from heaven being shown. So one of the reasons that I wanted to tag this is to help us understand a principle that really was all that was essential for any individual in that city. Remember, one of the emphases was that these were cities. And within any city, there are innocent people. And there are also godly people. The Lord is aware of both. And there are wicked people. And there are ignorant people. You can be ignorant and not necessarily innocent. Meaning that there is an ignorance spiritually that you have while at the same time perhaps indulgent in the carnality, which is a part of our human nature. Innocence implies pretty much what you would suggest it implying, that you really see no evil, know no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, and it's you, it's not a monkey. If you'll remember that that was the attributed kind of icon, the monkeys that covered their eyes and their ears, and their mouths. Well, 
that isn't ever going to work with God as far as the human condition goes. But the point being made is that this psalm beautifully gives us what does it mean to be one who repents as opposed to obstinately cleaves to being impenitent? And does it exact from us the stuff that we would say is a work or perhaps what we could even feel in looking at others as show? It can be a show if a person who is broken is seen. We can interpret it very wrongly. We have cited as an example in the book of 1 Samuel when Hannah went into the place of worship, Eli saw her sobbing unconsolably. Her sorrow was because she was barren. He presumed her to be, if you would, drunk. And she said, no, you've got it wrong. This is actually what I'm experiencing right now. But where she was and who she was was the main point. And she was in the place of a spiritual solace, and she was endeavoring to be touched by God. And of course, after Eli had heard that, then a prophecy from him indeed would secure that. Very interesting. This is a great place to be on any given night, any given moment of the day, morning in particular. I enjoy so much. But here's what this verse says. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. It is not necessarily always the sorrowful utterance that conveys a broken or contrite person. And that's really important to note. And this indicates to me the willingness to do this, which matches what we are told in Romans, which is simply that there is a sacrifice of praise that we can offer to the Lord. We don't feel like it, but it's the right thing to do in spite of the feeling. We're basically overruling the heart which wants to rule over us spiritually. And we can cite all of the reasons why we're justified in our anger, our depression, anxiety, frustration, bitterness, all of these things, any one of us at any moment in time in a circumstance we never thought would happen can justify it based on feeling. So one of the disciplines that we learn is to be in the place of worship and among those who worship God is the beginning actually of what God would say, now, now you're where I need you. And now you're going to experience what you need. You're where I need you and you're going to experience now what you need. It continues to say with regard to this, showing forth your praise, you know, not my spirituality, not my theology, but your praise. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. This is credited to David, and it means he probably tried it once or twice. Have you ever tried it once or twice? You do not desire sacrifice. Just working a little extra hard for God doing a little bit more for the Lord because he's taking notice of it. He does take notice of it, but the thing is, is that he's not noticing it on the premise of you working to receive any more from him. You've already got it. You've got whatever you need, how often that you need it. You certainly know that you've got his love and he's got your back, even as he's collecting your tears. But I find that to be very important to understand that David in this suggests to us that he tried it once or twice. It continues to move in. You do not delight in the burnt offering. You know, finding the best of something that you believe is going to please God 
more than he already is in you. And it's tricky because we can just do it. And there is a difference between somebody who desires to do more for God because they've been impressed by God than somebody's trying to impress God by doing more for God. There's a difference. And you can tell that difference based on also where we left off on last week's teaching, which was the experience of rest, which Jesus says he provides. And he'll actually move into that theme as well, demonstrating it as he's walking with his disciples. You see, religion or the pursuit of God's favor through activities, if it's not birthed within you by the Spirit and agreeable to you, then you do burn out. It doesn't matter the occasion or the event. You will burn out. I was trying to even move through this myself, that as good as a teacher as I believe I was, and I was, and I'm not referring to pastorally, that's still a work in progress. But I remember that teaching was just so intense, handling between 21 up to 40 students a day through a nine-month period, all of the things that you can imagine come into the classroom, although I do believe in the season that I taught much better than the season that teachers contemporarily are finding themselves in. Because why? There was still the thing called the family that wasn't so broken up. Less so today, much harder. And what I'm saying is that in certain areas of tensions that exist presently, things that that I'm allowing perhaps to get under my skin or things that I'm connecting to, I remember that there was a moment going, wait a minute, I felt like this back then. I felt like this back then. I still don't necessarily know how to identify, per se, you know, the, the blood pressure kind of thing. But most of us said, I'm tapping that one. I'm high blood pressure. I need to have, you know, this to bring it down. My twin brother does. I don't. But then all of a sudden I thought, you know, can you have a high blood pressure reality when the pressure's on? That's what I'm saying. And so one of those potential traumas or negative outcomes to that is that all of a sudden we're not trusting and relying on the Lord as we once did when we had that freedom, when we understood his grace, because that can very often cross over. And so what I'm also saying is that it can be difficult in this petition with regard to the penitent and repentant, or the impenitent, and the obstinate. The emphasis was on the impenitent, and that God does take pleasure, though, in the repentant. The person that says, this situation can change, but it's not by me changing the situation, it's by me being changed in the situation. How will I choose to live, think, speak, act? How will I choose? And so even teachers, which I was again trying to correlate, have limitations as to how that all pulls itself together. But the one thing that you need to understand is that it's not falling apart in the moment. It's falling to your knees in the now. Some people that are really acute with their eyes, which to now, you know, right now, you can see things about me that I cannot see. So I'll tell you two things. One of my jean kneecaps is dirty. I know which one it is because I saw it. I'm sure this has an outcome of deep spirituality to it. It's going, man, that guy prays. And he really leans into it. He's, He's hard on the left leg. And that's the wounded leg. We know this guy. He came back from Israel wounded because he trekked all over Israel seeking the face of God in the leadership of following behind the backside of Christy who was leading the troops. Ah, the guys, he's famous for that left knee that was wounded and healed and now dirty again because he was praying fervently for tonight. Actually, no, that isn't what happened. I'm going to break away just to give you what did happen. And if you thought it was spiritual, it probably was. I answered a call to meet somebody up at the property. He was going to review something with me. 
I opened the door, invited him in, came down to one section of the house, and I went, huh. <laughs> I think I actually did say it kind of like that. That looks like water. And it hasn't been raining. And it doesn't look like it belongs there. And I could not fit because it wasn't there last night. I was there, I know. So I ran. He followed me. We both ran. Where are we running? Not far. Just to the room here and take a right. And I could, I figured a, a pipe was broken and shooting water. Like, nope. But there was active water and a sound. We heard it. I said, down below. Is there room to crawl? We won't need to crawl. Well, we'll have to hunch. So he went under there. And in one sector of the underneath of the house, just dripping like rain, just falling like rain. And so I immediately bolted and said, excuse me, see if you can cut the webbing that's holding the insulation from the joist, just free it up. See if you can find out what's going on. And then I went and I ran. I knew by experience there was a turnoff valve because I watched guys do that multiple times. And then I ran to the lowest section of the house and I hit the spigot. What am I doing? I'm doing everything right in that time of emergency. I'm not giving myself over to going, oh my goodness, God, look what you've done in my life. And to have this official meeting with this guy and he's, but that isn't what it was about. It was about literally saying, there's no time to do anything but ask God in my fleeting and running and juggling, how can you make this work out? The problem still is not solved, except that I did call the plumber and say, hey, could you look into this? And I didn't say, what did you do to my house? You're the plumber. Mm -hmm. I said, could you look into this? Sure. Did you get the picture I sent you? I did. Great. Well, let me know if you come to any conclusions. And I really left in that spirit. Maybe tonight, moving towards perhaps that reflective theme... You were caught up in an event too, but maybe instead of you looking at how well God positioned you purposefully, see, I could have said, you know what? I don't even have a watch on, but I did have a watch on, but I don't. I don't have time to meet with you now. Do you know what predicament I would be in? I mean, that was a rain storm underneath the house. So I don't know even how long it was lasting. See, in the moment, God breaks up. Remember the tension I was talking about? He breaks it up by bringing somebody in that begins to just chisel the ground where it was once fallowed. That means it had both rusted and not seeded. It's a time to reseed. It's a time to ask in my independence from God, man, I need you. And God says, good, I've got a situation precisely for that purpose of needing me. You can excuse what now is an inconvenience to you or rich, you can begin to enrich your life again. That may be pertinent to some of you. Let me move back into this for the point closing. You don't desire sacrifice. Okay, Rich, you mean, Rich, you, you are saying essentially you praised the Lord in advance of the predicament. Yep, I did. I had a guy that I was going to meet. But then the predicament came. But because of my mindset to not dismiss him, I was already set to invite the Lord in. And there was nothing that I could do except act spontaneously in that moment. Nothing I could do to impress God. At all. I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God, here we go, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Okay, so now it's going to get messy, Rich. You're going to tell me that you just broke down before this guy who all he wanted to do was to give you an estimation on a scene. See, that's what I wanted to, to perhaps address. 
is that because I had already moved through the motions of not resenting the predicament I was in, essentially I was living out a brokenness in what I had to do. It's not that I wished that upon myself, and I'm hoping it's not a big, severe consequence. What I'm saying is that that predicament did affect my countenance. It changed my pressure gauge, where all of a sudden, guess what? I didn't have the pressure on me any longer. I wasn't operating in full blood pressure. I was operating in a full pumper that was just doing its thing. And my life in that moment was actually changed by the trauma of that event I didn't expect. That could be, by the way, very traumatic for a flood to happen in your home. And the Lord allowed me to do all the right things because I had the demeanor to want to do the right things in the desire that I had to not have my exploding head just go, which I remembered from the days in teaching before I was walking strongly with the Lord. Do you know that's what keeps teachers together is not how good they are at teaching, but how good God is while they're teaching. And see, that took me a long time. And the Lord had to prove that to me by taking me out of the cloistering of a very gentle, sweet, nine, eight years of elementary fourth graders, nine and 10 year olds, to a junior high Christian school. And everything that I had enjoyed at that eight year period was completely turned upside down at a Christian school with junior hires. God says, now you're ready, Rich to trust me because it ain't going to be heaven on earth. <laughs> You're going into the devil's lair. And so for a season, there was nothing about the student body that I ever thought was divine. It was a divine appointment to build in me a trusting confidence in the Lord and not my managerial skills, not my personality. Nothing was all failure. So I wanted to stress this because the community that the Lord had corrected by using strong language of woe, 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 was essentially and can be interpreted to us as no, no, no. That's not my will for you to suffer unnecessarily with stress. And no, Richard, I'm not trying to squeeze tears from you. I'm actually just trying to squeeze your heart to cause it to pump again in the manner that is right for you. And by the way, I don't want to give any, like, create this, oh, he's so strong. Let's, let's make him cookies. And that's great. I remember John used to say that, and he used to get platefuls of cookies. That's not the point that I'm making. I'm saying it was a very short occasion of the Lord just changing through an incident, my ability to say, okay, I'm not okay, but now I am great because the Lord invited me into the predicament that changed my situation. I had to measure up to it, and I did. How did I measure up? Humbling myself. That was the point. These cities, the people in them, had the ability to say, oh, Lord, our hearts aren't pumping and our heads are exploding and we want things to be different. And the Lord said, I came into your city to make that difference. And you have not looked to me. You have not desired the things that ultimately are available to you in the manner by which I have made myself open to you. So I know that that was a long one on the review. <laughs> and maybe it's because it's something that, you know, from past week to today, the Lord would say, yeah, some of you are just like Rich. You got, you've, you've been through an event. And in that event, I'm endeavoring to liberate you. How did you do? You know, I still don't have an answer about that, but you know what? I'm not even worried about it. Because the Lord had me do the right things. Who would have ever thought that I could have been a plumber in like 30 seconds? Listen, not good. What do I do? Turn off a water. Which one? Doesn't matter. Turn the toilet off. Turn anything that sounds or is near that problem. 
don't stand in water and touch that electrical line. I didn't. So that was the point that I was making is that deep inside, the Lord allowed my activity to be the expression actually of repenting. Oh, it's too much for me. Life is too hard. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. Who cares? Who cares about me? Even God has forsaken me in the underbelly of my home, within my home. Everything's just a wreck. And so my repentance actually came in the triumph of the activity that I did in 30 seconds to become a plumber, unlike any plumber you've ever seen before, one that can take no credit. I did leave it to the hands of a plumber. In the same way, what we do is we leave the situation in the hands of the best person, better than a plumber, the one who actually is the architect of every composite, every intricacy of our spirit, soul, and body. We leave it to him. We just say, okay, Lord, bigger than me, and in so doing, I am repenting of thinking too much of myself or thinking too little of myself. Do you know that's a problem as big as thinking too much of yourself? Turn your phone off. That we can think way too much of ourselves, huh? Yeah, it could be. Hey, Rich, solved your plumbing problem, but there's a fire. It's okay, I got Kevin here. We're good. But, <laughs> but that can be a problem from God's perspective, thinking much too much of ourselves and the others not thinking enough of ourselves. We've moved into that as as a culture. And the Lord would say, repent, because that isn't the way I think of you. So that was kind of, that's just where I was today. That's just where I was today. And I realized it in what would be called simply a high blood pressure, high octane moment. It's not for this body engine. So just when I thought it couldn't get worse, the Lord says, oh yeah, watch what I'm going to do and I'm going to level out the playing field by bringing you to choices that you'll make spontaneously, but spiritually, you'll give me praise for it. That guy is going to see you cool under great tension, and he's going to remember you. And that's, by the way, the other thing. And guess what we got to talk about? The Lord afterwards. Got a chance to talk about Zachary and just the goodness of God. Because of a predicament that changed my heart, because I chose to respond to the Lord. Tears may come later, but I'm not going to look at my phone. <laughs> so that's where we are right now. Chapter 12 is going to set us up for this. And some of you are going, oh, no, he trapped me. A long narration to recap, and now he trapped me. But here's where I'm going to go with this, okay? Okay. This is called for chapter 12, as we leave chapter 11 behind. Pitiful are the impenitent, pleasing are the repentant. Matthew 11, 20 through 30 was last week's. The psalm that I took you to was Psalm 51, verses 15 through 17, a hearty kind of devotional exposition on that. Chapter 12 is simply this, going against the grain and eating it too. I thought that was a winner. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take verse 1, and then we're going to invite the worship team back here. Jesus left the last conversation with this. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But in order to prove that, he will allow you to bear a burden that is heavy in order for you to desire the yoke that is his to give you, period. There you go. I just gave you that illustration today. At that time, verse 12, speaking within the immediacy of this event, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. So what I wanted to say on this is that within the context of understanding Jesus and following him, he creates a hunger naturally. 
And he uses those events of hunger to also grant spiritual insight. What are they going to learn? They're going to learn that when you're walking with Jesus, he's going to provide in a very organic way that is no less supernatural than if something appeared out of thin air and came into your hands. It depends on how you look at life. Have you ever had those moments in which what comes into your hands and ultimately may make its way into your mouth is like, oh my word, manna. Uh, no, that was, just a, that was just a handful of peanuts. No, it was manna. Uh, no, that was, that was some of my leftover peanut butter and honey sandwich. Manna. So it's how you look at what it is that you know was put into your hands by God and that you delighted in in that moment, no matter what somebody thinks, no matter how they say it got there. In this case, as they're following the Lord, and it is on a Sabbath, which makes this whole event very contrary, but also what we do know in the narration is they're being observed, they're being watched in what it is they're doing. And here's what they're doing. They're enjoying walking with the Lord. They're enjoying taking risks. Is the Lord into this, that which we are about to do? And chances are what you are needing to know is that they're actually seeing him do what they're taking liberty in doing. It's not like he is just moving through the grain field, leading them, but very likely he is enjoying in his fellowship, on the walk, through the grain field, the very thing now that they are indulging in. Could it be, on the contrary, that he's leading them through the grain field to see what it is they will do as their hunger provokes them to satisfy it? Could be. But I like the picture that both of them are giving. That in either way, the Lord is saying, you're with me, take delight eat abundantly. What are they having to fight? Hunger pangs that now they're satisfying practically, but they're also having to fight the law that they know emphatically. What if we get caught? See, the law gave them permission to eat on any other day, but guess what? Not this day. You don't walk. You don't talk unnecessarily. You do not eat the labor of gathering that which you're going to put into your mouth is a work which violates the conditions of the Sabbath. That's what they would say. Jesus said, nonsense. That was a whole different dispensation. That was when the law came down. I have come down from heaven as manna from heaven. And I am everything that that represented. And the preparations that were intended to be in advance of the Sabbath day no longer need to be mandated because I am the embodiment of rest. You rest in me. You get to enjoy what it is I enjoy. Fellowship with you, you fellowshipping with me, the things that I serve you, the places that I take you, the things that come on your plate, the things that come into your hands, the things that you smell and see, the things that you were able to hear and enjoy. That is everything to do with a rest that comes in the relationship that you have with me. And so I just appreciated this because that's one of the reasons that hunger is such a spiritual, purposeful condition of living. I enjoy fasting too. I haven't been a great practitioner of it lately, but I enjoy it. I do. I'm going through a season, who knows, in which I'm learning there are some things that won't make me any more spiritual, even though I can say that's a great spiritual discipline. And I do believe it. But the principle here that Jesus is saying is that as a result of the link to verse 30, take my yoke because it's easy and my burden is light, I'm gentle. And I'm going to lead you though with confidence in who I am personally but also fearlessly. These guys who are watching us and who are actually tagging us from behind or intercepting us from in front, they're going to be met with resistance. 
I will resist them and I will hedge this in in scriptures that they will know with certainty is the principle behind the rest. It tells us who they are that they're going to meet. But I'm not going to go farther because verse 1 is where I wanted to close on. First of all, as they're moving through this grain field, very likely it's wheat, it's a grain, they actually have to go through a work that again would show you it's intended to irk those who are lawfully judging them. To pluck a wheat shaft or the head, which we have back there, those are actually wheat, they're not fake, they're held, pinned to the cross, behind the cross, but it's authentic wheat. You could grab those. And if you really felt that was important to you, I would let you look decimated by the evening. But when that shaft is picked, then it's rolled in the hand, and it's basically the preparation of separating what would be known as the chaff, the little furry blades that are coming up around the seed clusters. And when that's done, then the disciples would take, as it is cupping in their hand, the weight of the seed. They're going to be careful, but they're going to grab it from the side and they're going to just go, and as they blow, they're separating the chaff from the wheat. It's a great picture. The Lord will one day separate the chaff, which is discarded, useless from the grain, which is precious. It's both seed and it's also nutrition. But here's what they're left with. Maybe eight to seven in their hand. They're not going to be left with a giant fistful overflowing because it's impossible to remove chaff in that kind of a volume, not by the hand and not by rolling it. It would all fall to the ground. And so there's even a discipline right now is that God works singularly and not necessarily quantitatively to accomplish the satisfaction of a spiritual hunger. That's why as much as we may want growth, five services, I don't think I could teach five services. I'd be making one of these my couch. But we think very often even in our spiritual life, there has to be just a massive proof. And the Lord said, the proof is the one seed that you have in your hand. It's the one thing that you're chewing on right now from my word. That is proof in large and fully that I'm blessing if you'll savor it. While this is going on and this work would be continuing, they finish, blow, they can put it in their mouth. And by the way, it's not necessarily something that you would say is altogether an easy thing. It's a, it's a, it's a rather um, strong, fibrous seed. It's a, it's a chomp, chomp, you know. Occasionally you're not going to get the chaff out, and that'll be probably sticking in your cheek, sticking in your teeth, kind of like popcorn can do. Or when you get a seed, probably not that hard. But it's, it's, a, it's a process, both the walking, the plucking, the rolling, de-chaffing, and then eating. And it's seed by seed or two or three at a time, only to exercise the process again. And Jesus is intentionally moving them through a place that will challenge them against the law. But who are they looking at? The Lord. The Lord is always who we look at when we talk about the law. The law is not going to be done away with, but when we look who is the one that satisfied the perfection of the law in who he is, that's who we look to. As we look to him, though, there are people looking on to us going, what gives you the right to be so happy in this moment? What gives you the right to believe that you're going to get out of this situation differently than us? Well, faith and God's there for you and he's been there for me. And I can just tell you, I don't want to be anchored in anything other than Jesus. And I don't want to be exercised in anything less than my faith. And if that brings me to tears or loss from the world's perspective, I'm following him through the grain fields of life because my body says I'm hungry for something more than oatmeal, more than Wheaties, 
more than eggs and bacon. I like all of those things, but my hunger actually is to give me a cognizant understanding that my spiritual life needs to be satiated by what the master gives me to chew on through his word, through what it is I hear, music that I'm absorbing, prayer that I am still trying to connect with God more thoroughly, more humbly. So we close right now. The theme will pick up again next week, which is simply this, going against the grain and eating it too. And we'll look the implication as the dialogue intensifies and Jesus remains unmoved or unmotivated to change in the face of controversy, the church as well. We ought not change in the face of controversy if we're moving through the grain fields of the world and we're eating from his word, from his hand, little by little, bite by bite, hand after fist, fist after hand, seeing that the chaff separates and that he is continually doing these amazing things, even challenging a world system that seems to continually try to intercept him on his course. As we close in prayer, we'll have uh, Spencer and the band lead us through our final song. Lord, thank you for this word. Thank you for these people. This place, may there be application in our life, as certainly it has been for me. And so we ask that as this is both appreciated, as we esteem you, as we praise you, even in the course of perhaps being off course, perhaps being corrected in the way, we know that the outcome as we believe in you and as we submit to you is good. As in just the moment that one could say, I don't have the experience, you grant us, Lord, the supernatural resources of doing things quite outside of our skill set and make us very skillful, full of wisdom, and being able to look back and point to others, this is the Lord that solved this problem. This is the Lord that allowed me to have feet like a deer, and I bounded and leapt over boulders and riverbeds. Thank you for answering prayers. Even now, there are those who await the answer of prayers and promises. We believe that to be true. And thanking you in Jesus' name, amen.